hear the word of God from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out, put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but we have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The word of God for the word, world. Thanks be to God. I wonder if you can identify with this. When we first met, fireworks. She was a good bit older than me. She was in a different life stage. I was young, newly sober, and in an, un, in an unhealthy and quite fragile place. Everyone, and I mean everyone in my life, said, don't do it. Don't get into a relationship. And for good reason, I didn't know how to be alone in my life. And surprisingly, I didn't pursue it. And it took every ounce of willpower I could muster to not. It must have been something like divine intervention. But then what happened was about a year later, out of the blue, in a very unexpected place, we ran into each other again. And it made me believe it was God's will for us to be together. And I guess it was. But after about two years of banging our heads against the wall and each other's head, against each other's, there was nothing left but emptiness. I was empty. And I suspect that many of you in your lives at one time or another have been empty too. A place in your life where you've given everything you have, your all to something or someone, but to no avail. Maybe it was a relationship, maybe it wasn't. Because experiencing emptiness transcends romantic 
relationship issues. That wasn't the point of what I was trying to tell you. It could have been your job. It could be at home. It could be with family. It could be with parenting. Heck, some of you have maybe even experienced it at church where you've given everything and you felt empty. Maybe you've worked your hiney off on your craft, on your relationship, your volunteerism, whatever it was, but you've come up hollow and nothing to show for it. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. Might stretch some of you. It's okay. I want you to turn to somebody and talk about a time in your life, and it's only going to be for about a minute, um, where you have experienced emptiness. Go. Got a minute. No, it wasn't exactly the uh, lightest of questions, so, but uh, would anyone be willing to share briefly, bullet point style, on this side, a time when you experienced that? You experienced the divorce. I see a couple of people nodding their heads. Anybody else on this side? Losing a loved one, loss. Okay. How about this side? Job, what were you going to say when you lost a friend? What? Nothing? Anybody else? One more? We can do silence here. One more. A feeling of emptiness. And that came from what? Not being comfortable. With the situation in your life. So the reason I ask you to do that. To think about a time like that. Is that's maybe perhaps how Peter, James and John. And the rest of the fishermen. Felt after a long backbreaking night of fishing. On the Sea of Galilee. They, they said that fancy name uh, about the lake. But that was just the Sea of Galilee. Um, you know. We can imagine Peter, Peter's tone in our key verse today that's in, your, that's in your insert when he says, Master, we have worked 
all night, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Have you ever felt like that? Like, that's good. Keep, hold on to that. <laughs> Life will happen. <laughs> I felt like that. Where I've done everything we can, and I felt like somebody said, just do this. And I just felt like, I, I, I've already done this. But here's the thing about Jesus, I think. Jesus' timing and messaging were perfect. Why? Because soon... Imagine if the disciples had a really great night of fishing. Could you imagine if their their boats were full? Maybe they wouldn't have stayed to listen to what Jesus had to say. The emptiness appears to be what readied them to hear the message that Christ had to share. So sometimes, not all the time, I don't want to say all the time, but sometimes... In the spiritual life, when we're empty and when something doesn't work or we're experiencing some grief in our life, our hearts and our ears are a little bit more open to God. There's a willingness that sometimes isn't there when the nets are full. And so for these fishermen on this day on the side of the Sea of Galilee, emptiness was the fertile soil that helped them discover something, something that would change their life forever, that they were called by God and they were sent to others. And guess what, brothers and sisters, everybody sitting here today, you are called and you are sent. I'm wondering if you would say that with me. I am called and I am sent. Ready? I am called and I am sent. Now, those guys probably didn't believe that God would be calling them into a new kind of fishing. And they probably couldn't fathom how their lives would be different, that they would be sent to bring good news, whatever that meant, uh, about Jesus Christ to the poor as a result of meeting this spiritual teacher traveling the countryside. And they probably didn't have any idea what the adventure of their lives would mean by following Jesus. And perhaps that's some of you today. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're worn down or discouraged. Perhaps you can't imagine what being a fisher of people or sharing Jesus, both name, his deeds, what he's done in your life to friends, neighbors, or even the poor. Maybe you can't imagine what that would look like. You might not know exactly what the next step of your adventure in community is. But if that's you on this day, and I suppose it's not all of us, but it could be some of us, the adventure, I want to tell you, begins with empty nets. So I think the scripture that... uh, we read today, that we heard today, um, offers us a few guideposts, no matter where we are along the discipleship pathway, to take some next steps. Now, the discipleship pathway, what does that mean? That's kind of churchy language. To say it more plainly, 
is no matter where you are in your belief about Jesus or in Jesus, or no matter where you are in your life around spiritual practices that assist God in helping us love God and love others, including our enemies, which is the worst part, the text, I think, gives us some opportunities to make movement, to do change, to take a next step. So I want to give you just a little bit of the context of it. Just prior to our story, Jesus is in Capernaum and Bethsaida. And Bethsaida is Peter's town, allegedly, uh, they say. They want to know more about Jesus because they've heard all about the healing. He's healed a bunch of people, including Peter's mother-in-law. And many were intrigued. And then our scripture starts out today, so he's in Capernaum, and he's in Bethsaida, and he does all these healings, and then it says he's down at the Sea of Galilee right now. And then it says this, the crowd was pressing in on him. So remember in Nazareth, they wanted to kill him. The crowd wanted to kill him in Nazareth, but now they're coming in because they want to hear more about him. And it says, the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, so he got into Peter's boat, and he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And I wonder how many of us, I was thinking about me and my spiritual life and my journey and where I am in this story. Who am I in this story? And some of us have come to sit on the bank of the shore because we want to know more about Jesus, about love. We want to know if this healer, this lover, this mystic, this uh, person to offer salvation to us in the world has anything for us in this day and time and even for this messed up community that we sometimes are a part of. And so here's the first guidepost. The people are being drawn to the teachings of Jesus. And that's a guidepost for us. What are you drawn to about the teachings of Jesus? What about his teaching and what he said and what he did invites you to intrigue, that wants you to know more. And if we're new to this thing, it's useful to learn more about what the Bible says, to learn about what Jesus' identity, his nature, and his claims are. And like uh, Debbie offered, it could, could be just taking a next step in a small group, taking a disciple's path or something else. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's like you just picked... Pick up the scriptures each day for this series, which are available online or probably in the back in the, in, the, in the little rack. And you just read a little bit of scripture about Jesus each day to find out a little bit more about his life and the way Luke uh, presents him to us. Or it could be, you know, I have found even with people coming to church for a long time, sometimes they don't, they wrestle with beliefs. They just really wrestle with them. And maybe it's time that you just sit and talk with somebody. Email one of the pastors, Debbie or Sally or McGray or me or whomever, and just say, I want to know more. I want to wrestle more because we want to walk with you. Because I promise you, if, if we allow it, I, I believe it's true because I've seen it in you and I've experienced in my life that Jesus will change your life powerfully. 
And I'm not saying you're going to get everything you want or you're going to get a fish every time you lower your net. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that you're going to know love and experience love in a deeper and more profound way. So that's the first one, being drawn to the teachings of these, Jesus. And then after that, it says, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out into the deeper water and let your nets down for a catch. And you know how he responds. And that's the second guidepost in your adventure, in our adventure as a church of being called and sent. It's this, is to go a little bit deeper. Just a little bit deeper of where we are right now. Some of you, I suspect, have been on the banks for a while, listening to Jesus, listen, be, coming to worship, experiencing worship. Maybe you're even in a small Greek and you're in, in the banks. Maybe you've been active in other ways in your life and ministry. But perhaps like Peter, we're in a spot where there's some area in our life where we can move just a little bit deeper in love, a little bit deeper to forgive, a little bit deeper to serve, a little bit more faithful to our prayer life, a little bit more faithful to giving. I don't know what it is for you. I don't. But if you ask, I'm quite sure God will reveal it to you. So, but I will say, sometimes letting down our nets when we don't want to, <laughs> when we don't want to row out a little bit more, is hard. And I want to tell you a story about a guy this week who told me about this. So I got a, I got a phone call on, the, uh, on my way home on, uh, I think it was Thursday afternoon, from a guy who was in the sanctuary, I was over in the sanctuary last week, and felt really challenged and felt a little inspired uh, during the worship service last week. And this guy's been active for years. I mean, really active. He does this ministry. He does it every, just about every week when he's in town. Really good guy. But in a couple of years ago, he got involved in a ministry that served outside the normal circles, right? Outside the normal circles of, just picture whomever your circles are, South Tampa, uh, affluent people, middle of the road, whatever. He went to serve somebody on the edges, somebody really different from him. And he'd been involved in that for a while. He was one of the regular volunteers. And then recently, that ministry that he was serving at, he was one of the volunteers at, the leader had to step down because of a variety of different reasons going on in that person's life. And that the leader of that ministry had reached out to him specifically to say, I think you might be ready to lead this. And he said, no. Which is okay to say no in life. So it's good to have boundaries, especially those of us who don't, who say yes to everything. It's good to say no. But for him, that wasn't the case. For him, he said he felt like God was prompting him to go just a little bit deeper into the water. And he said, I didn't want to. I started coming up with excuses in my life that I'm too busy. Maybe I'm not the right leader. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. He said, I kept giving himself excuse after excuse. 
And he remarked that he felt like one of the prophets where God says, you must do this. And he's saying, I can't, I won't. And so he was confessing this to me. And he said he felt bad. And he felt convicted that he was to do something new, to go a little bit deeper. So here, I'll tell you what happens later. But here, here it, it might turn out well, but it might not. I don't know. We'll see. So the third guidepost is this. The first one is to be drawn to love, is to be drawn to serve, is to be drawn to know that your identity as a person following in the way of the Jesus is chosenness, is called and sent to others who haven't experienced yet the love of God. So that's, so you're, somehow we're drawn to that in our spirit. The second is to go a little bit deeper, whatever that little bit deeper is for you. Maybe coming once a month to uh, Magnolia is your thing. Maybe it's twice a month. Maybe it's jumping in on a volunteer team. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's reading the scripture. Maybe it's getting in a small group. Maybe it's none of that. Maybe it's forgiving your spouse you haven't forgave. I don't know what it is. But God is calling you to go deeper. And the last guidepost is this, risk. There is risk involved in this adventure. Peter did what Jesus asked. He was reluctant but obedient. And that obedience rendered a huge bounty. So much he needed help bring it in. And then Peter's amazed and it brought him to his knees and he said, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner, which we think as a moral kind of thing, I'm a bad person. But at least in the commentaries I read, it wasn't really about that. It was more about how amazed and how holy God is to have blessed and chosen him. And chosen you. Yet, if we think about it, the risk really wasn't letting down the nets. Right? I mean, that's not that big of a deal. It's kind of a pain in the butt because he's probably going to have to clean them again. Right? But the just lowering down. All right. I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go. In fact, he didn't have much to lose because if he didn't catch anything, what could he say? Told you so. Told you so. I tried. But the larger and more substantial risk is what happened next. The emptiness and the reluctance and the obedience were important components. But Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to risk and become a fisher of people. It says at the end, he said, when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. You see, the adventure for us of following Jesus, for you and for me, of being called and sent involves risk and at times reluctant obedience. And I'm quite sure, I'm pretty sure that God is calling you to study more about Jesus' life. I'm pretty sure about that. I'm pretty sure that God is inviting you to go a little bit deeper in your faith, whatever that means, and to risk. But I'm really sure that the risk is involved 
for a purpose. When we risk for God, it's really about love. It's really about loving the poor, loving the outsider, loving yourself. And so this risk to go deeper in our faith isn't about me and my spiritual needs, although those needs will be met. It's really about loving others more deeply and more like Jesus. And sometimes that makes us afraid. Let me rephrase that. Sometimes that makes me afraid. But like the people on the banks that day, like the fishermen uh, that were cleaning their nets and then back out in the water, God is with us and literally we were made for a time just like this. There are people in your life who are spiritual and not religious that might be might be ripe for you to tell them a little bit about your faith journey. That might be ripe for you to invite them to serve along with you in doing something. Might be ripe for you to tell them your faith story in a time when you felt empty and how God and other people surrounded you. Whether you're on the banks in the boats or trying to clean your own empty nets this morning, I want to tell you, I really believe that the adventure awaits. It awaits us all. We've got to do it together, number one. But I want to encourage you to remember this week that you are loved so much by God, by us in this church, and the Holy Spirit is with you. May you take risks May you go deeper, and may you read a little bit more about Jesus the Christ. Let's pray together. God of love, God of light, God of the shallow and the deep, we give thanks for the ways that you call your disciples to love. We give thanks for the way you call us to love. Help us this week to know how to love more deeply. Show us who to love and how to love and where to love. We trust in you. Help us to not be afraid. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.